Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Wounds Basketball Podcast, recording this on a Wednesday after a really fun three-game night in the WNBA, probably one of the best of the season so far in terms of all three games really really coming down to the fourth quarter and being decided then. So I'm going to run run through all those for today's episode in a solo, recording solo today and starting with the Mystics at the Sun, one of the top, one of the top matches of the month, both teams sitting at the top of the standings, as I think a lot of people would have expected, just with the continuity advantage that that both these teams were set to have, even as the Mystics kind of begin this foray without Emma Miesemann, who's at Eurobasket and will be returning after that. One one key thing in this game was was Washington switching, and then and then the, the switch behind the ball that they also execute so well, which we saw a lot last year as well. It, it really it really hampers what a lot of what makes Connecticut so good, especially when they go pick and roll from the middle of the floor. Washington's just going to switch that. There isn't going to be a crease to attack off the dribble. And then Chrissy Tolliver is really the only player in that starting lineup that you're really worried about getting switched on to, especially one of Connecticut's bigs, which which will be very different if John Quill Jones really takes the step a next a bigger step in the post, which we'll we'll get to in this game as we there were some some key moments as far as that goes. But they're so good at even when Tolliver gets stuck in there, they switch her out of there, and then they put somebody else on that bigger threat at the basket, and they're kind of able to reset. And you kind of have to, you kind of can get stalled out pretty easily. And the thing with Jonquil Jones is when she she's often so good as a pick and pop threat. Well, that's not very scary to switch that because if she's going to try to drag, you know, a Tolliver or even another guard down in the post, that takes time, and that gives Washington a chance to switch again and, and kind of get out of that matchup. And then you're really in trouble because you've spent time trying to get something that won't be there by the time JJ gets down into the post. But a real key for Connecticut was just getting some kind of crease for Alyssa Thomas, especially when they went to stuff from the side of the floor. You know, in the first quarter, they had a play where they go side pick and roll, and and Thomas gets it kind of near an elbow. And if you have, you know, if you if you ice that or if you down that ball screen, and you have two people on the ball. Well, if they get that pass to Alyssa Thomas right away, in the first quarter she had a play where she just dumped it right to Jonquil Jones, and that's that that big originally on Alyssa Thomas was Latoya Sanders. If she doesn't get back into the play, you know the player trying to crash down onto Jones is a guard, and it's just not going to matter when she's right under the rim. And also at the end of the day, like you also just need to force Alyssa Thomas to shoot a floater in situations like that versus something a little riskier, being a a drop off for a layup or a kick out to a a wide open three and Alyssa Thomas tried a lot to get into the post as kind of it seemed like as kind of a reaction to some of Washington switching and against like a Natasha Cloud and Ariel Atkins that's not really like a huge advantage for her and her I mean her power game just isn't and just because of her you know her her touch as like a turnaround shooter with their floaters it's just not it's probably not good enough that you're really scared of that and those players also just held up pretty well to make her really work but she did get Chrissy Tolliver once in the first quarter on a cross match in transition, and Washington tried to switch her out of that, and they were slow to get out of it, and that led to a kick out to Shakina Strickland for a three. So that kind of shows you kind of what you would hope to get if you're Connecticut, if you can kind of catch Washington as they're trying to do that, especially as that player has the ball. But in the first quarter for the Sun, we also got a Bridget Carlton sighting, which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, she made her season debut a few days prior, 
but I mean, it, it just just knowing like just knowing her skill set, like throwing her out there for a few minutes with the starters, especially like that. That's a pretty good. That's like a pretty good role for her. Like she can fill that spot up role. She's another bigger body, and we'll see how she does defensively. She'll have to rack up more minutes to really to really get a true understanding of what of where she's at on that end. But if you know to just see Kurt Miller, especially in a matchup like this, you know, not playing a lot the last place team. To at least get her feet wet, I would I would have to think that that kind of is an indication that they are maybe thinking about giving her a, a more of a shot off the bench. But I think kind of a, a ripple effect of that too, if Carlton can play well, especially if they get her in a game early, I think I think the Sun are really going to even take it to another level if they can do a better job of stacking their second unit, especially if you know they've they've been getting Courtney Williams back in the game pretty early. To kind of help that help that group from a scoring perspective. So if Carlton's obviously coming into the game for one of those players, and then maybe even they can do that with Shakina Strickland a little bit too, just to have that shooter that you just that's just going to open up room for some of their when some of their bench units have a couple players that teams are a little more inclined to leave open. And another thing they did to do that, which was really smart, I thought, was they they went back to Jonquil Jones and Morgan Tuck really early in the second quarter. And that's just so, I mean, that's just a nasty combination to throw at, you know, at a point in the game when a lot of opponents are going to have one or both of their backup bigs in the game. That's just really tough to guard because both those players are going to force you to to be out to 25, 26 feet. And then that can really open up lanes, especially for Laser Clarendon, Bria Holmes, you know, the players that teams are going to force to prove it with the shot. But if the lane is wide open, that can really open more things up for them to, to try to turn the corner and get to the basket. And an example of that 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 bench group, Courtney Williams and John Paul Jones, the Washington kind of had to switch a handoff action with them. And then as they kind of react to a guard getting on to switch, switch on to John Paul Jones, Morgan Tuck just fills up to the top of the key and she got a wide open three because her player was the one that was trying to get on a Jones to, to take away that post up. And, and Holmes ended up hitting her first three of the year on a spot up in transition. So just seeing her just shoot that with confidence early in, a clock, early in the clock, like that has to be encouraging. And obviously we'll have to wait and see if, if those shots are going to continue to fall for her. But she also had a really nice hard right-handed drive into the lane, got that to go. And speaking of that, this was a nice game for Ariel Powers. Her kind of the standout play for her in the first quarter was she just caught the ball Somebody to close out to the three-point line. Really nice pump fake and just one dribble. Took a big long stride with the with her sidestep and just to, to take a three. And you know, it's it's a shot that I think we're starting to see more and more in the WNBA. Like if someone's gonna run you off the line that hard and you can just instead of pulling up for a two, like it's not there's obviously times where that shot's good, but also if your defender is gonna totally fly by, like just just take a dribble and shoot a three if you're gonna be wide open all the same. And then getting to, to John Quill Jones in the post, we saw a little bit of that in the first half. She had an easy turnaround over Maisha Hines-Allen, another one over Elena Deladon. And this is a matchup with all the switching that Washington can do that, that Connecticut might have to start to think about this, where they're going to have to get a little more comfortable getting her into the post quickly and kind of trusting her and maybe just kind of for, almost force feed her a little bit to get more reps because you want to be able to take advantage of that. And especially if you can get her against a guard, who she can obviously just shoot over, but also in general, just you know, a team that's going to be able to switch a lot. And you're such a pick and roll heavy team without a ball dominant superstar guard. You know, you you just you need to 
you know, if if you're gonna go down in the playoffs, like you have to you have to go down, like letting John Quill Jones be the type of player that's gonna shoot take twenty shots and really have a big say in whether or not you're gonna win a game. And Jones came out in the third, hit another one over Deladon. And then circling back to Alyssa Thomas, the other half of that pick and roll attack, Natasha Cloud had an important play in the second half, kind of veering back to get a steal. Because if you're going to switch that against Connecticut with Alyssa Thomas, or if you're just going to be forced to switch it just because, you know, the guard turns the corner and you kind of get forced into a late switch, like you have to you have to sprint back into the play. You have to veer back to Alyssa Thomas to at least like minimize that window that she has to kind of to kind of take a dribble or two, try to collapse you and then make a play. And if you get back into it right away, sometimes you can even get a hand or steal those passes if there's especially if there's too much air underneath it. But getting into the fourth quarter, as mentioned with Powers, the good night for her continued. Uh, hard to the rim, drew a foul. Another hard drive, hard to the rim, was able to score. And she she just she looks really good when she's decisive and making a quick move to score. And that's that's all that this team needs from her. They don't need kind of the stuff in Dallas where she just fell into these into these spells where she just kind of want to pound the ball too much and like work into the post. But one thing that really hurt Washington is that Natasha Cloud wasn't turning the corner to score very much in this game, which, you know, she had that career night a few days back against New York where she just killed them, just turning the corner hard when they would duck under screens and they just weren't weren't there in time to meet her on the other side. Connecticut did a little, a little better of a job of that, and it is tough. Even when you know you probably still want to do that against Cloud until she really starts to take another, another leap forward as a shooter. But you do really have to lock in especially if the ball is moving side to side because obviously that's what you can't do against Chrissy Tolliver ever but then against against Cloud you really want to just lock in on not letting her get into the lane but the key stretch of this game came in the fourth coming out of the, out of the, the timeout near the midpoint of the quarter it's a four point game at the time Connecticut with the lead and then Strickland coming off of two screens on the baseline uh, Chrissy Tolliver just like she didn't she just didn't do a good enough job tracking her it was a lazy effort. She flopped on that second screen and just didn't, instead of trying to actually like get into the play and like contest it, or at least run her off the line. So Strickland hits that shot. It's a seven-point game. Powers in the lane. This is where she kind of, after those really good moments, maybe she trying to kind of force a little bit too much because it's like, you know, when it's winning time, you've got to get Elena Dell on a touch. But she forces one that led to a run out for Courtney Williams. So it's a nine-point game. Tolliver got two really good looks from three on the same possession. They just didn't fall. Connecticut comes down. They miss, but Jonquil Jones gets the offensive rebound, and then she cashed in that play that you probably saw on social media, the really nice up and under on Latoya Sanders, where she just covers so much ground when she steps through. And that's really that's like the deadly counter for, for, for JJ. It really can't be that simple where if she works that turnaround jumper, maybe the hook shot, and then she pairs that with the step through as the counter. I mean, at six six, she just covers so much ground. It's just impossible to contest both of those. You know, if you want to take away that jumper, you're probably leaning on her a little bit. So she would totally, she'll totally lose people with that step through. And then, and just like that, it was an eleven point game. And it was a little bit too much powers, especially just trying to initiate rather than kind of letting something else unfold with Tolliver, Cloud, or Deladon. Powers also had a, just a terrible entry pass trying to get it to Deladon after that run 
and they had a baseline out of bounds and she just threw it away it just it was a no chance pass she didn't put enough on it for Deladon to have a chance uh, she stalled out another possession just like trying to dribble herself into the post from the perimeter again that's just the stuff that it's just she needs to be like a one move player and and let some of the other players have more of a hand but Connecticut got a nice extra run in that fourth from Leisha Clarendon and Morgan Tuck as Jasmine Thomas and Alyssa Thomas spend a little bit more time on the bench and you know that's that's good that adds up where you can just kind of get your core players some extra rest from time to time and also it's just you know encouraging for those players to be playing well enough that that you can kind of just leave them out there and with Clarendon there was really kind of some found money for them and that kind of played into into the the end of this game too where like she hits a spot up three which you just live with uh she had a score on a run out after Washington uh after Washington uh a force a force play where they were looking for Deladon I think it was on that one and then another pull-up jumper late in the clock and it's just like you know you, you have to kind of live with those and for Connecticut of course it's just it's good to see Clarendon scoring the ball and being aggressive and Washington did make it kind of interesting at the end it was more desperation kind of plays Ari Lackins did have an awesome steal where she was just totally she was I mean she shot out of a cannon to steal it from Melissa Thomas that led to a run out Natasha Cloud hit a big time three running running towards the sideline to then get her feet down and, and, and nail a three but the Sun made their free throws to finish it out and it really came down to John Quill Jones the 24 points on 9 of 11 and Courtney Williams going for 23 on 8 of 17 Strickland hit four threes which was huge for them one of those also kind of regrettable for Washington it was just a dribble handoff and they went under and you go under Shakina Strickland's gonna make that three and this was even as Jasmine Thomas went one for eight from the field and I, I've written a lot about her finishing and, and she's gotten so much better just over the last three years year over year and she still has some of these plays and we saw some of them in this game where she's just so quick and she gets to the rim and all things considered they're really good looks for her and for the Sun and she needs to start making more of them because if she does that's one of those kind of incremental things that you know if you can say like this team doesn't have a star but if she continues to get even more deadly going to the rim that will make everyone else better and obviously will make will make her even more of a threat getting to the rim and of those eight made shots by Courtney Williams by the way five of them in the paint and two of them were threes and so that's also kind of the balance that you need to see to her game where she doesn't need to start shooting a million threes but if she takes a couple of the ones that are there that's definitely going to help and if she can get a little bit closer to the basket on some of those and force the issue a little bit more getting in closer some of the time this is the kind of game where it's easier for her to take 17 18 shots and be efficient against a really good team and Delta only took nine shots no turnovers though in 34 minutes and again at the end maybe they kind of pressed a little bit after that run but they just weren't able to play through her enough but one part of that with Alyssa Thomas in that matchup is when the Sun played the Aces early in the season there were these plays where Asia Wilson just shot over her and it's like man like like that's kind of the one knock against Alyssa Thomas as a four is that some of these bigger fours just don't have a problem shooting over her but the one thing Thomas does so well is she keeps her leverage she stays low she digs in and she pushed Deladon out a lot of the time so she's not catching at 10 to 12 feet she's catching at or even beyond the three-point line 
And one, Alyssa Thomas is quick enough that she's not worried about getting blown by. And then it's it's just like it makes it so much harder for Deladon if she has to just like grind her way to get back to where she usually is able to catch the ball. And then it's also and then it's also just tougher for her to collapse the defense when she's starting from so far out. And, and just circling back to the guards when again when Cloud isn't able to get to the paint, nine of her eleven attempts were outside the paint. You like that if you're playing the Mystics and and Tolliver shot two for eleven, zero for five from three. And, you know, as mentioned, like two of those threes were just really good looks for her and they just didn't fall. So even if one of those went down, it's probably there's a good chance it, it, it's a completely different game. And and again, Connecticut with that second unit or just like the normal time of a game where a second unit's in the game. Them putting more pressure on teams with more scoring threats, that's just going to be such a key to look for the rest of the season. I think it can be. If they get, it can get to them to a point where they're not just trying to maintain leads, but they're really gonna like pull away from you. And we saw in Washington's game against Dallas over the weekend, Tiana Hawkins and Ariel Powers were the ones that gave them a lift and kind of key the key the key stretches for them with their scoring off the bench. So I think the Sun can get those kind of contributions, and that can really help them out over the course of the season as they're obviously chasing down a top two seed. And one of last year's top seeds, the Seattle Storm, they pulled out an 84-82 win over the Fever in Indiana. And, and one of the, the, the Storm played most of this game in a, like a six to nine point window. So it, it had the feel all along of kind of a game that they would kind of win just wire to wire and with Indy just kind of being right there and a couple plays away. One big takeaway was just the, the undeniable impact of, of Kelsey Mitchell and her ability to draw two people anytime she uses a ball screen. In the first quarter, forcing a switch that left a guard on Candace Dupree, who got an offensive rebound because of that. And then she ends up kicking it right to Kelsey Mitchell for a spot up three. Obviously, offensive rebound is one of the best times to, to spray it out to somebody for a three. And then in the first quarter, again, she... She drew two different switches, and then first Natasha Howard off ball, and then Mercedes Russell with a pick and roll, and then she also drew Jordan Canada into the gap to try to stop her. Maybe she just felt like she needed to load up with Mercedes Russell stuck on her, and that cleared the way for Wheeler, Canada's matchup, to just on the catch, she just had this clear lane to just take one hard dribble and, and cruise in for a floater. And then the one play that we have to see more of, and I think that is just so exciting for the Fever, and it ties in with their decision to draft Tierra McCowan, is if they just let those two in play two-player action, especially like a dribble handoff, where Mitchell can kind of just read her defender and just kind of run back and forth, and then and then kind of have McCowan give it to her once she kind of gets that player to run into her. And off of one of those, Mitchell got it. She draws two defenders. McCowan rolls into a deep catch and she just finishes over the help and that's obviously a way that that Mitchell can help McCowan too as she kind of transitions into the league and and tries to become a more efficient finisher and then at the end of the third quarter it's not the same thing drawn two people but uh, Mitchell pulled that pulled like a 35 footer off the dribble to end the quarter and and she gives this she gives this little shake if you watch that back and, and the fever tweeted out the baseline view so you can see this but just kind of like almost like a little in and out just like this little like this little shake that she gives you like I really want to see Kelsey Mitchell lean into that a little bit more 
to kind of maybe she doesn't even shoot like a bunch of step back threes necessarily but if she does it and like kind of notices like the giant window to shoot is there like she should be shooting those more often off the bounce but then it's also just going to force more people to lunge out to her and it's going to force people to be more uncomfortable and that's going to leave a four on three behind that or somebody just kind of rolling to the rim or somebody spotting up wide open so again just like that you know whatever you want to call it like the juice that she has off the dribble like you just can't you don't see that anywhere else combined with her ability to shoot off the dribble but more more on McCowan uh Jewel Lloyd you know what you, you did see one of the plays where McCowan does make a big difference Jewel Lloyd kind of got into the lane and she and she kind of settled for just an impossible scoop shot over McCowan over her shoulder you're just not going to make that over the top of her and Lloyd fell down she's behind the play and that led to Kelsey Mitchell getting a wide open spot of three in transition because they got a five on four all because you know McCowan is that you know like if she's already there and someone's going to go right at her like those are the kind of plays where she can really be protecting the rim right away but part of part of Seattle playing from that six to nine point lead for a lot of the game the end of the first quarter the Fever's guards just have to be better on defense. Uh, Kelsey, Kelsey and Tiffany Mitchell, they didn't get a clean exchange on the backside as Jewel Lloyd kind of crept up from the corner to the wing. And then she kind of realized like, oh, neither of them are looking at me. They're looking at the ball. So she just kept running to the top of the key, like no screen or anything. She just kind of wandered up there and stepped right into a three. And then, you know, they kind of looked at each other after like my bad you know, you know, people usually will switch that, but both of those players were just completely caught watching the ball, and that that led to a three for Lloyd. And then at the end of the first, on the very last possession, Kelsey Mitchell just had her hands on her knees. She didn't ex- think she was going to have to defend on that possession. She was guarding Jewel Lloyd, who ran to the ball, and Kelsey Mitchell's behind the play, and then so she runs out to her, kind of panicked, and she fouls her on the floor, but that puts Seattle in the bonus. So right there, that's you know that's five points that you just shouldn't give away that easily for any team. And they were down six at the end of the first quarter, and that was five of them. And in the second quarter, back to Tierra McCowan, she ended up playing 12 minutes about in this game. The, the challenge for her again, and it's not even necessarily like the ISOs or like guarding in space and all that kind of stuff. It's been said plenty, which is tough on its own for everybody. If she just kind of gets forced off of her spot a little bit or kind of has to be between two people, that's kind of the thing to watch for, as I've, I think I've noted that a couple times. But like Sammy Whitcomb on a pick and roll, she was going towards the middle. And like Indiana like had it contained, like she hadn't turned the corner. She wasn't going to shoot a three off the dribble, but she was able to just fire it to Courtney Paris for an easy score rolling to the rim when McCown was kind of just stuck in no man's land and isn't and she just can't react quickly enough to kind of sit right in the middle and then react on the pass to let go. You know, she's not going to then get all the way back and like pin that layup on the backboard. And Drew Lloyd again, she had a tight curl around the elbow and she was able to drop it to Russell and and kind of the same thing with McCowan. She she can like help herself a little bit just like be more efficient with her movement cuz she'll kind of she'll look at that look at that action and she'll kind of be squared up. But then on the pass, she almost has to, like one step is to turn her body around and then she starts to move to get back into the play. And that just takes too long. She's kind of got to 
you know, like she, one, one thing is just like staggering your feet so you can kind of push off and, and get back to your own all in one motion. And if she's able to clean some of that stuff up, she can, she, she'll probably be in a good position to alter more of those plays. And then again, transition, one of the plays like at the three point line, that's just going to always be tough. And it's tough for everyone as, a, as again, these aren't, these aren't the plays where I'm going to like totally kill her for, cause again, it, it's, it's tough for everybody to constantly do this, but like, you know, to guard Natasha Howard in semi-transition from the three-point line, you know, just straight left hand blow by, like, Natasha does that to everyone on occasion. But again, she kind of just, like, she kind of fell for, like, a, a little faint towards the right, and then she got totally turned around. And so she just wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna get back into that play. But for the Storm, they were, they were a little sloppy, and some of this kind of goes into their point guard situation. You know, Jordan Canada has had some moments where she struggled, of course, on her own with turnovers, but also when they're kind of trying to, like, figure it out, like, if, like, Canada and Lloyd are off at the same time, that kind of spells trouble, or if it's all on Lloyd, but she isn't really handling the ball, you can tell they're still kind of, like, figuring that out and what, what it's supposed to look like, but, like, in the second quarter, and and both halves, that was kind of a time when Indiana made up a little ground or just kind of got some easy points off of off of turnovers you know like crystal langhorn missed a wide open skip when sammy wickham would have had a three they turn it over the fever hit a three coming back you know just not knowing the scouting report or just like the top line on a player kennedy burke you know Kalina mosquito lewis just like ran at her and burke of course is going to blow by her and, and just toss in a floater mercedes russell just threw threw it away from the top of the key uh an easy run out going the other way for burke off of the steal in the third quarter, again, same kind of thing. Tiffany Mitchell got a steal that led to a score and the foul. An- another Seattle turnover fueled another run out uh, for the Fever. And then a, not really not really the same kind of play, but then another one where you know, the Storm are pretty aggressive, like stunting to like a side pick and roll if your shooter's going to pop out. And obviously like Candace Dupree and Natalie Achanwa are pretty big threats, at least from the mid-range. And but on one side pick and roll like Canada did that but she was guarding Kelsey Mitchell so the result of doing that gave Kelsey Mitchell a wide open spot up three which she's which she cashed in and that's like the number one spot number one shot you don't want to give this fever team but late in the game Natalie Achanwa again I like this was in my 12 things which you can read at high post hoops but like she had two more like just like pump and goes late in the game to score like just right at the rim and that's just like another like nice evolution of her game where she's added that mid-range shot so now like her and Dupree are both able to hit those but then also to she's not quite you know like the off the bounce player Dupree is not quite as fluid but like it, like if you can pump go and like one two dribbles and like make it like semi over some contact like that's really important and that's just another example of her like adding to her game year over year it looks like and, and that's just really important as you're kind of a kind of on the bubble you know start are you a starter for a playoff team or just a really good rotation player but it's it's important that she's continued to to add to her game and that really helped them uh, as as they ended up getting all the way back into this the fever did ride with tiffany mitchell and kennedy burke as the two wings next to kelsey mitchell uh, erica wheeler didn't have the best game and the the other those two were were a little more confident in their shot than than bet Burke ended up uh, shooting two of five from three, two steals and a block, and it's just 
you know, it's I, I I'm just surprised that she even went so low to begin with, and they're starting to be more conversation with Dallas cutting her. And, and I would like to know like who people think they should have cut because I think they were in a really tough spot. I don't think there was an easy person for them to choose on the wing because there are some players there that they've kind of invested in, and I, I, you know, maybe part of it is they're just kind of scared to cut another recent first round pick, but. Burke has looked really good, and the and the defensive playmaking from her and just her size—it's just, it's. I, I mean, she's if she makes threes, like she's just so much more than a late second round talent. And, and so much of Indiana's season is going to come down to their wings making open jump shots, and obviously Victoria Vivian's not being out for the season—that takes away one person who was going to give you thirty plus minutes a game and do that, like no no question at all. But with Kelsey Mitchell being able to draw two people, you know, when it when the ball gets kicked to those players, like it's great that they can put their head down and drive, and, and for the most part, all of them do that pretty well. But just some of that time, you're going to have to make those open shots, and that that in a lot of ways will will kind of if you boil it down, like whether they win more games or not this year, uh, going going forward, that's going to be a big part of it. But the 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 big call of the game. Uh, the Fever are up one, and Drew Lloyd, out of the timeout, just took a handoff and sped right into the lane, tried to force the issue, and Natalie Achanwa came over, and she got her feet down, and it was originally called a block. The officials went to the monitor, and Achanwa wasn't in the circle, and I don't, I don't think that was particularly tough to notice watching it live, relatively speaking, but, and and the refs didn't and the refs ruled it in Seattle's favor still after reviewing it. And seeing how some people reacted, and I watched the game later, so I didn't see it right away. I, I guess it's kind of a hot take, but I didn't exactly hate that call. The contact with Drew Lloyd was very minimal, and it looked like all of it happened only because the Chanwa kind of kind of flared her left knee out. It wasn't really like in like the natural cone of her body. And she's already she was leaning back already anticipating the contact. I mean, Jewel Lloyd kind of landed in like a split stance and was straddling, basically basically gonna, was going to straddle that leg of a Chan was. And I don't know if this played into it, but like one, like Candice Dupree, like clearly fouled Jewel Lloyd as she gathered. And obviously like, that's not the part that's supposed to be under review, but I, you know, like we're all human. I wonder if the refs couldn't help but kind of weigh that a little bit. And plus, the play before, as mentioned with Achanwa, she had, on top of the two drives she had, uh, what gave him the lead was she got to the line, drew a foul. That one was pretty questionable as well. So, again, it's like I'm not saying that that should have that should have swung it and that should have decided it, but it, it like, you know, when, when people say like it all evens out, like I think this is kind of one of the examples of that, and it wasn't it wasn't just like this egregious like. Jewelloid's torso crashing into a Chan was it you know the, it wasn't that kind of contact and it's just I don't know I, I I lean on the side of like I just don't like charges in general like just make a play on the ball like I think that's how basketball should be played but you know this is one of the, those plays it's like we don't really know what a block and what a charge is and it's it sucks to see that kind of it doesn't decide the game that there's obviously so much stuff that goes into it but to see a one possession game and to see something like that obviously it just sucks but 
that's how it broke. And I did like what Indiana did from there because they did have time from that point. So they're down one. And, and Kelsey Mitchell had the ball. She ran it down to about 14. And they set a screen for her, and she pulled a three over Crystal Langhorn. Obviously not, like, the biggest player. And, that, like, that's a pretty good look for Kelsey. And, you know, I, I like the... I like the logic of it, you know, going with about 14 on the clock and a pull-up three. If it was open, and again, that like that was a good look, objectively, for Kelsey Mitchell and for a pretty limited Indiana team. But going at 14, you know, if she makes that shot, you're up two. So then Seattle, it's really tough. You know, like, do they go for a three? And if they don't, you can hit free throws and seal the game. Or if they go for a two and tie it, you still have a chance to win the game from there but that shot didn't fall so seattle goes to the line after they get fouled they made one so it's a two-point game and indiana gets another chance and from the sideline they just got it they got a lob right into candace dupree at the right block and again again this was against langhorn and she had the option with a, a hammer screen is being set for kelsey mitch on the opposite side running to the corner alicia clark did a good job of sticking with her on that so that that look wasn't there but dupree just Dribbled into Langhorn, a little turnover her shoulder, and it—I mean—it was like an eight-foot turnaround jump shot. Like that's an awesome look for Candace Dupree, and it just didn't fall. But overall, I mean, this was like this was a pretty clean game for Indiana. They only finished with thirteen turnovers. Ten of the, ten of those were from Dupree and Erica Wheeler, who kind of maybe this is kind of a, the start of Wheeler cooling down after that really hot start. But Dupree and Nachanwa are scoring efficiently knocking down their mid-range shots and, and doing a little bit off the bounce off of that. And they got the energy and and the jump shot, jump shooting for now, at least, from Tiffany Mitchell and Kennedy Burke. And that's a pretty good recipe for this team, all things considered. Had some some more good things from Tierra McCowan, and she did get a decent amount of minutes in that one. And for Seattle, somehow Natasha Howard is almost kind of a quiet 26-9, and nine, but she's still getting there. Two blocks, two steals, and Seattle only shot five of nine from three. But Howard and Jewel Lloyd did combine to get 13 free throw attempts, which is an important number, especially as, you know, again, as it's been mentioned plenty before, but without Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird, like they're going to struggle to generate threes. So getting the line, I, I don't know if there's a magic number, but 13 is a pretty good number to get to for them. And then finally, to wrap on what I thought was the game of the night, and, and I think that was this was one of the more fun games of the season between Phoenix and Chicago. Chicago gets the 82-75 win at home. And part of what makes this so interesting is just, you know, Chicago's got the new coach and the pressure to make the playoffs and all this stuff. And, and you would think that kind of the bottom of the playoff race is pretty relatively wide open, and this is a team that obviously needs to needs to figure out a way to get in that mix but to start this one not not so much to go play by play as the other two but like to just talk about Brittany Griner in this game understandably she's going to take some heat anytime Phoenix loses a game especially a close one where you just like you would hope that Dewana Bonner and Brittany Griner can carry you to some of these wins so that one you know to some degree that you don't rush Diana Trossi back from injury but also but also just um, you know, like if you're in a close game, like you want to win the game, and and everyone matter, every single one matters. She shot seven to fifteen, five turnovers in thirty six minutes. 
early in the game we saw a couple of the examples of what I think has is kind of one of Griner's biggest warts is that she just isn't very good finishing in over around pretty minimal contact and she likes to kind of lean in and kind of try it's I mean obviously like she's trying to draw a foul or, or just lean into contact and accentuate it to make sure she gets a call but a lot of times it doesn't happen because she's just towering over people and she just she doesn't give herself the best angles to use the glass and I mean some of these shots like like they're layups they're like two three five footers and and you just she has to get better with those you know like Dana Diana Trossi has said like unabashedly like BG needs to become the best player in the world well like that it's just that like that can't be an, continue to be an issue and it, that's not something that's just isolated to this game it's been a thing with Griner where she just I don't know if she focuses too much on trying to draw a foul and kind of expects that it's going to get called but it, it's been long enough like you just have to like one just like set yourself up to use the glass more often and two just like stop thinking or anticipating con and just you, you got to finish those plays especially for a player like this is like she doesn't have bad touch right like that's the thing with grinder she has amazing she's an amazing mid-range shooter awesome touch on her hook shot which she often just like buries over people from like 12 feet out but like yet some of these shots really seem to to give her trouble uh at least like at least a couple times a couple times a week that really leave your head scratching and but also like she got blocked from behind by steph dolson after she got open off a cross screen and like that's a really nice job by Steph Dolson to get back in the play, but like you have to finish that. You're you're six nine, Brittany Griner, catching the ball point blank. You have to cash that in. And that miss actually ended up leading to Chicago getting a run out and a score. And then, kind of another just a general point, like a, a Steph Dolson and just most centers in general, they have to lean on Griner so hard if they're trying to push her out. To, for, to make kind of those baseline turnarounds and her, her hook shots tougher. And, and so what that means, I mean, Griner just has no excuse to not flip that on its head, and you have to turn that against people. And if somebody's leaning on you, give them a hard dribble to make them think you're going towards, you know, your favored right shoulder turnaround or your right hook, and just spin back the other way. Because, I mean, they're leaning on you so hard, they're just going to gonna be left in the dust, and then you just step through to finish. I mean, basically what we're t what we were talking about with John Paul Jones, and kind of where where you would hope she can get to with that step through, and then and then to talk a little bit about Duana Bonner, she was guarded off the ball or off the bat by Jantel Lavender, who's who's been moved in the starting lineup for Chicago. And w one thing, you know, this is another one of those matchups, kind of like with Vegas when when they when they try to figure out what to do with Asia Wilson because. Having her guard Bonner probably isn't ideal. But Chicago started and they just sucked it up and said they're going to have Lavender do it. Well, when you have a player like that on Dewana Bonner, you just have to you have to run her th you just have to be ruthless and just run her through screens, put her in pick and roll. You know, it just because there, there isn't an easy solution to that. You know, what's Chicago going to do if they switch Steph Dolson onto Bonner? It's the same thing. Just blow by her and get into the paint and and totally totally collapsed the defense and i was just surprised that phoenix didn't just run bonner griner pick and roll us to death especially you know with bonner starting the game she goes pick and roll and and lavender just can't get through screens and stick with her and she dribbled herself into an easy jumper and 
and as it and another thing with Phoenix too is just with Griner, they have to use her more as a roller. They can't. That's part of what made Tarasi so good last season is just the Griner has such a big window vertically that you can kind of hit her when she's on the roll. And it's except for you know the Sylvia Fowles basically, and you know maybe Liz Cambage. Like people just can't like get back into a play and take those away. And you have to you have to give BG more chances as a roller. And Bonner running pick and roll can do that. And they they have to they have to maximize kind of that that roll gravity, which doesn't really exist in the same way in the WNBA. But Griner's one of the few players that has that. And, and we saw. Phoenix getting into double drags, which you know Brondello Brondello mentioned in a wired segment in their opener against Seattle, and I think both of them were off of makes too. Just a double drag, Griner and, and Bonner setting the screen. One of them, Bonner pops out for a three. Again, like Lavender just like can't get through that and chase her in time. Again, and then they do it again, and Griner like gets an easy easy score, rolling to the rim. But what really decided this game was Phoenix just had so many. You know, I, I call most of them miscommunications or just like total breakdowns and I, I counted 10 of them and there are probably even a couple more but like these just decided the game and 8 of them happened in the first half Diamond to Shields, pull up jumper Brittany Griner and Essence Carson were just totally mixed up they both kind of just froze in no man's land they didn't know were they going to switch were they going to drop like what how they were going to cover it they had no idea uh, again in the first quarter Griner just like shows too long on a pick and roll and with Griner like it, it's it, it's you know Phoenix is a team that probably is gonna probably wants to guard a lot of pick and rolls with only two players and just really lean on Griner so you know maybe maybe this is being a little hard on Griner but like the whole point is like she has the the rare ability to do to be asked to do these things in the first place and she just showed too long Steph Dolson was just you know just a naked roll to the basket gets an easy score they drop it off to her Again, they have uh, Bonner was stuck on Dolson, um, kind of in as they were cross matched, and Griner was on. Uh, I think it was Lavender at the time instead. So uh, a handoff between Dolson and Ali Quigley. Dolson again gets an easy score on the roll. Bonner and and the guard just weren't on the same page again. Like, are you switching that? What? How are you going to guard that? And and Dolson rolled right in for an easy layup. Nobody nobody to speak of there to meet her at the rim, either. And then out of a timeout, first quarter still, they set up an elevator for Allie Quigley, sprinting out to the left wing. Sancho Little and Brittany Griner are guarding Lavender and Dolson. Neither of them had any idea that Quigley was coming. They were just totally ball watching. Diamond to Shields wasn't really doing anything. She was just 30 feet from the basket with the ball. And January just ran right into the brick wall of Dolson and Lavender. She couldn't get through and didn't have any help. So that was an easy three for Quigley. And then one more in the first quarter. Van, Courtney Vandersloot pick and roll. Uh, Allie Quigley was the only player on the weak side, so there's not like a natural person to send to go help at the rim, because one, that's just a, that's a guard anyways, and you don't obviously want to leave Allie Quigley open to go help. And 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 some of this stuff does speak to Chicago. Like again, it's I've hammered it so many times. Like like the Sky have so much talent, offensive talent, and if they just like stop, if they cut out some of their dumb turnovers that have really plagued them. Like they're going to be a really good offense, and they're really hard to guard with all the scoring threats that they have. So some of this, of course, is the sky being so talented offensively. But you know these are mistakes that 
that Phoenix just has to clean up because they have to be they have to put themselves in a better position to at least contest some of this stuff and take away some of the the easy rolls to the rim where nobody's even home to challenge those and some of this even happened by the way in the first quarter there was a long stretch where Diamond and Shields didn't touch the ball which was just kind of odd but a lot of it was Vandersloot doing a really good job just forcing the issue and and Phoenix wasn't able to most of it came down to not sending help in time and a couple times not communicating but second quarter this just continued Vandersloot's coming down the right side of the floor in semi-transition they set up a, a big setting up to screen on the on the on the um on Vandersloot's left side and Allie Quigley's on the right side setting a screen and Yvonne Turner was guarding Quigley and she was just kind of pushing Allie Quigley and wasn't ready at all to just switch that and again like there's no reason that you can't switch with your two guards there and Vandersloot just blew right by her for a layup again side pick and roll nobody nobody warned Leilani Mitchell she just got totally blown up by Steph Dolson on a screen and, and so Griner had to switch out onto the ball that means you know, five foot four, Leilani Mitchell is stuck under the rim on Steph Dolson, and that's just an easy pass in for a layup. Again, uh, Dolson just totally naked on a roll to the basket. Three people collapse, including Griner from the top of the key. I think it was Gabby Williams that she was guarding at the time, and that left Bonner alone on the weak sides. And Dolson did a really good job kicking it out, but then it's Dewana Bonner alone on the weak side trying to account for Quigley and Diamond to Shields. Nobody else for Phoenix was ready to run out there. They all kind of froze at that moment in time, and then Quigley ended up ended up hitting a three. And then a couple more persisted uh, later in the second half. One, another one at the expense of Turner. You know, one thing the Sky do that we we saw it last year too. They just they throw it to Steph Dolson at the high post. Vandersloot runs right into Diamond to Shields in the corner, and they just kind of split out of there. Turner and Bonner didn't communicate on that. Sloot just stepped right back out for a three, and 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 can and and uh, that's a stark contrast with a couple moments later where, you know, as much as Chicago kind of got plenty of people, plenty of us have unloaded the clip on Chicago's defensive issues, but you know that it speaks to kind of a possession moments later where like the sky were forced to rotate. You think the Mercury are about to get a wide open three, but two different times. This guy ran Phoenix off the three-point line, and they ended up forcing Dewana Bonner to hit a contested pull-up two, and she made the shot. But it's just like that is so much different than all these possessions where the Sky are just racking up easy points. And then even in the fourth quarter, uh, Quigley sets and just Quigley and Vandersloot like getting involved with these screens. It's just it's so it's so important for Chicago. It's so good for them to include this stuff. Quigley set a back screen for Vandersloot. And Bonner was guarding uh, Quigley, but she was in help position, basically straddling the lane. So then she and Breon January didn't didn't communicate on that, and January is basically alone in a one on two, and Chicago gets another three out of that. So to me, like to me, that's the game. Like yeah, there's stuff with with Bonner and Griner that they need to get more out of, but also Phoenix just isn't like they're not they're not there defensively and that and that and that's important because like that's the one thing where you don't have an excuse right you can't say well our defense isn't right because we don't have diana tarasi they have plenty of pieces in place plenty of capable defenders where like they just need to iron some of this stuff out and, and sancho little is one player you would think would help with this i didn't really love this i don't really love this matchup for her at all except for when she's playing backup center 
which at the rate we're going, we're only talking about like five minutes that Griner won't be in the game. But like they just, they just, you know, there isn't, there isn't, you know, a Brianna Stewart, a Candace Parker in this matchup where you're just so worried about, you know, getting killed one on one by one of the best fours. And they, they just need to trust Alana Smith, and they just need to leave her out there, let her take some lumps, and trust her to hit threes because that just makes will make things easier for them offensively. And Smith isn't really getting killed defensively. Like she has, she's had some nice moments moving her feet, and you know if she's gonna get into fouls and foul out like so what like you're not you're not counting on her to close games right now anyways and one thing i've liked with chicago with with their rotations is they they seem to kind of be settling on a look with their second unit where they're going to go really big on the perimeter with gabby williams Kalia copper and and diamond shields and then usually it's been two of the bigs out there together and like i think like that makes sense like it's just when you look at a team's second unit i think you should be able to look at like and just know right away, like, okay, what are they going to be good at? Like, what, like, just is there an obvious strength there? And I, I just really like that for them. They're big on the perimeter. They have Gabby and Diamond who can really create stuff for them and, and get into the lane. And even Copper can do a little bit, kind of attacking closeouts. And and then they have Dolson, Lavender able to space the floor, and then Cheyenne Parker kind of add maybe if she's in there, she's going to give kind of giving them that element in the post. And speaking of that. Um, and, and Brianna Turner watched. She played two minutes in this game, and, and Parker had a duck in on her, and it, it's just like she isn't there. And that that's the concern, is just that people duck her in or people just bury her and, and just kill kill him on the offensive glass. That's going to be the concern, as Turner is, is really like she's forced in just kind of an impossible audition, right? It's the same with Gulich last year, Marie Gulich, where you might get six, seven, eight minutes, and... This team needs to win, and they're expecting you to be good right away in your first chance in the WNBA, and it's just it's going to be tough. But part of why it's, I think it's it's time it's important. Like you just have to be tough on Bonner and Griner if you expect this team to win games. Is Yvonne Turner's just been too inconsistent, and maybe that's just kind of what she is as a player. You know, I don't think we're going to see Sopran Vani just night in night out in the WNBA. She there are moments where, especially if she's from a dead stop, if she just decides to go off the dribble, she totally will just torch like, you know, like a Vandersloot or a Quigley, like a like a smaller perimeter defender who just isn't, you know, isn't one of those lockdown, just incredible type people that can really move their feet and keep people in front. And if she just does that and she makes quick decisions, she shoots the threes when she's open, but the, it just. It isn't. She hasn't really boiled it down like that. She hasn't um, kind of been comfortable and hasn't made those decisions every time, and that and that really hurts their offense. And I think that's one thing I may have underestimated is that how much they would need her to really be at that elevated level to kind of prop up their offense and, and give Bonner and Griner more consistent help as a playmaker. But and and with Bonner, like thirty-seven minutes, like just putting it out there, like that's. That's a concern. The schedule is much more stretched out this year, of course, but especially when like she's playing entire quarters and then just starting the next one off, it's just, and that kind of ties in with the Turner stuff though. Like they don't have, when you're not getting consistent playmaking from anywhere else, that's what makes it so tough to take Bonner off the floor. And uh, Steph Dolson, on top of her typical just battling with Griner, which I've always said she seems to really embrace seems to really embrace that matchup. She does a good job just 
always kind of being attached to her. But seeing her hit a trail three in the game, like that was really important to see. And then in the third, she hit a, a pick and pop three, at which, and by the way, for that second shot at the same time, you know, Gabby Williams is on the court and everyone says, well, oh, Gabby Williams, like she can't shoot. Is it, is it ever going to work? She's setting a screen on the weak side for Allie Quigley. So that ties up the help. Nobody stunts out to Dolson. And you have, you're using Williams to screen for one of the best shooters in basketball. And then she can roll to the rim too off of that. So like just, it, it's so simple, but a pick and pop and that screening action on the opposite side, like that's, that's going to be deadly. And that's, that's what makes this Chicago team so scary is how simple something like that is, but it's going to be so tough for people to guard. And, and more kind of X's and O's stuff for Chicago. They started the third quarter out of a horn set. Just a really awesome wrinkle to add into it. Vandersloot went off of Dolson to her side. Diamond to Shields came up from the corner, set a screen for Jantel Lavender to get her into the post. And then she goes right into running off of a screen from Dolson to get right to the top of the key for a three. And and Phoenix didn't communicate on that at all. That could be tacked on with the with the laundry list I rattled off earlier. But that's also the sec- kind of the secondary or just the additional action they need to involve the shields in more possessions so it isn't just constantly, you know, all just Vandersloot pounding the rock and everyone else kind of standing around. And they need to, when they get that balance, that's going to be just incredibly tough because the margin for error is so, sm- is so slim with Diamond because she catches it and if a crease is there, she's, she's at the rim. And, and even, with, even with Gabby Williams in the game, again, it's just like, Phoenix needs to go more, more Bonner and Griner two-player or pick-and-roll actions. It, you can't argue that they were just getting such great looks, just doing other stuff, and, or, and just like playing out of Griner in the post, which they kind of went away from in the second half. But you just, you have to, you know, considering the other options they have, you just, you have to be, you have to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to put it on Bonner to make all these awesome reads and hit the right player. And as well as Griner to do the same thing as a roller. Because one thing in fairness to Griner is like, if they go more pick and roll, especially with Bonner, that's going to make her life easier. Because like, it isn't, it isn't easy to, if, you know, you're going to try to say, well, she should be posting up 25 times a game. Like that's not, that's a lot of hard work and rolling to the baskets a whole is a lot different and where she can just catch on the move she's such a big moving target and she can either catch and finish or make that pass from the middle of the floor to whoever that the team has left open versus the longer skip passes which aren't always which don't always have exactly the biggest windows to fit them into but diamond shields was really the story of this one just closing it out she hit two two off the bounce threes which just the thought of that and seeing it happen already is just absolutely terrifying obviously it's still early in the season to evaluate her three-point shooting but the idea of her making those shots consistently is just is just is just a terror for for the rest of the league when uh when chicago did go to a smaller lineup with only one of their bigs on the court with parker at the five they go bonner grinder pick and roll bonner right to the rim you know imagine that just it's it's too easy and they just they need to go back to more of that bonner did miss two passes kind of from the right block area and and those are the kind of plays that they need to make because her and griner are the ones that can set people up these these dependent players up for easier looks she missed alana smith in the opposite corner missed griner on a roll and that hurts them because some of these mistakes as mentioned before are leading directly to chicago runouts which obviously against Phoenix especially 
any team you're just you're just so excited to attack those because that means grinder probably isn't set waiting for you at the rim which is obviously something everybody's equally terrified of but one thing i think chicago did well defensively and probably made it a little tough on the mercury was they just weren't afraid to switch anything involving alana smith and that's why the pick and rolls have to be with grinder like i think you can get smith some some threes out of like side pick and rolls but teams aren't going to be afraid to switch on to her she just doesn't have enough reps you know it, it's just it's it's too early to, to be saying saying that like she needs to be dragging those players into the post and and it needs to be all on her to beat those matchups you know you're probably just not going to get to that point this year where where you really lock in on letting smith just kill people for switching and but chicago doing that kind of gum things up a little bit and the shields in the third quarter had another pull-up jumper off a grinder from two-point range and those i mean again it's like those are the shots that bonner could be getting against chicago's front court if they would if they would go if they would just be a little more ruthless going with pick and roll and leilani mitchell not a great end of the third quarter either and that was really you know this third quarter was when chicago really did the brunt of the damage but they didn't end the quarter well leilani mitchell went too early pulled a shot a pull up two with too much time on the clock and again like that's just not a good look leilani mitchell can probably get that a lot of the time whenever she wants and then phoenix everybody else just wasn't ready to run back because they were probably expecting the clock to basically be run be run all the way down to zero and gabby williams got, ends up coming up with a loose ball and she pushed it all the way down the floor to, to put them up 12 going into the fourth and not too much on the fourth here because Phoenix did make it interesting late, but Chicago for the most part they did their they had done their work by then. Griner had the had the big screen where she knocked the shields to the floor and and stopped the game there and the shields stayed in the game and hopefully there there's there are no issues there as far as the concussion a concussion goes. But I mean the first one earlier in the quarter was almost more egregious where Griner just kind of shoved her too and it's just like just set a normal screen like it's just it would have been so easy just to do that and the second one diamond was just running right in that direction like actually running not just like walking and it just it made for a scary collision and obviously it was it was even worse because she banged her head on the floor as part of that and just wrapping up on this one another bonner got another pick and roll with parker at the five right to the rim and for a layup and it just they needed to do more of that and Diamond kind of closed it closed it out with some big plays. She had a monster block on Breon January, who kind of had a give and go, and it looked like she was gonna have a layup. And Diamond just crept down from the, her matchup at the top of the floor and just and just totally obliterated that shot. She blew by January from the corner. A few moments later for a layup, and then Stoll came up with a steal in the backcourt as well against Phoenix as they tried to bring it up. And they did make it interesting. They got within five very late. Leilani Mitchell hit a tough pull-up three. Bonner hit a really tough transition three. Sophie Cunningham got to the line, made one out of two. And so it's a five-point game. Steph Dolson pulled a three probably a little early in the clock. Probably would have been better to run it if that's the shot you're going to take. And Bonner and, and Gabby Williams were kind of both lunging at the ball that, that ball in the air as it came off. And it looked like both of them kind of tapped it. I don't know if it was just one of them. But Mercury don't get that defensive rebound. And if they did, there would have been about 44 seconds on the game clock. So if they scored quickly, they could have played for a stop down by two or three. 
and then still had a chance to tie uh, just with one more stop. But again, like Phoenix needs to, they need to generate more threes. And the way, to, the only ways to do that are, you know, for for more Bonner and pick and roll with Griner, and for Griner to be more efficient, make better decisions, and kind of force the issue a little bit more on some of those post ups to make just to really collapse the defense and make make some crisp passes out to people for for inside out threes. And I mean, the big thing here for Chicago is just Diamond Shields is an absolute monster. If she's going to make make jump shots off the dribble and especially make some threes, it's just going to be so tough to stay in front of her. The defensive playmaking is just like, I mean, already like tops in the league, just the kind of plays she can make out of thin air. Steph Dolson hitting those jump shots is huge, something they need to continue to get for her to get her some open looks and, and give her a chance to connect on those. And, and now we'll see with Chicago if they can kind of build from this and kind of string together a nice stretch. And then with Phoenix, obviously we're just waiting to see when Tarasi comes back and how they can continue to fare in these games without her. But that's it for today. Went a little bit long. We'll be back with an episode on the Lynx at the Liberty in the, the one game on Wednesday night. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB. Read all of our women's basketball coverage over at High Post Hoops. And with any suggestions, feedback on the show, even like some guests that you'd like us to chase down to bring on, uh, please feel free to let me know and we'll, we'll, uh, we want to deliver that for you. You can just reach me on Twitter at Ben underscore Dull with any of that feedback and we'll catch you next time.